0: Hey guys, this is Alec Vishal Rubin, here to welcome you to another impactful episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. I don't know about you, but body image has always been a challenge in my life, and it had a bumpy start until yoga and compassion came into the picture. Today we have the opportunity to hear from Chelsea Roth, the founder of the renowned nonprofit, Eat, Breathe, Thrive. Chelsea has a fascinating story, and we're excited to share it with you.
1: I've been recovered from an eating disorder for about seven years. Uh, and the experience of being having an eating disorder, being in recovery, and being recovered are distinctly different. Mm. Internally, subjectively, I can't tell you how different my inner world is.
0: Enjoy this powerful episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Chelsea Roth as we highlight Eat, Breathe, Thrive. Namaste, my friends, and welcome back to the Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Rubin coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, and we hope that your summer has been so insightful and that you've been enjoying the podcasts and the interviews that we have been sharing with you. They have been so insightful to us, and we are so excited to bring to you today a beautiful human being named Chelsea Roth, the founder of Eat, Breathe, Thrive. And Chelsea, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and to visit Boulder and to come to my home and to share with us your journey of yoga.
1: Sure, Alec. Uh, Boulder feels like a home away from home, and it's great to meet you and great to connect with your listeners.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us how you found yoga and who you are for maybe those of our listeners who haven't heard of Chelsea Roth before.
1: Sure. Um... I've been practicing, oh, just about 10 years now, which is unbelievable. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a while. Um... So, I mean, today I'm running a nonprofit that helps people with eating disorders, uh, you know, won't be a a huge surprise to probably a large part of your audience. Uh, That was how I found yoga. Hmm. Um, And it's so funny because when I talk to people about why they love this practice so often, there's... um, Wound is the wrong word, but like a tender place Mm. beneath what drew them to the practice, whether it was I'm struggling with depression or I've been having really bad anxiety or I was going through a divorce or I lost my father or my mother. Oftentimes there's this tender place beneath uh, the, the pull to yoga, if you will. Uh, and that was, that was how it was for me, for sure. Um, I had a super difficult eating disorder in my youth, um, nearly took my life. When I was 15, I had a stroke as a result of the eating disorder, uh, was in the hospital for a couple years. And when I came out of the hospital, uh, I had a really wonderful therapist who strongly encouraged me to go to yoga. Uh, and I was not a willing patient <laughs> I was uh, I, nor a willing student for that matter mm. um, you know my, my therapist encouraged me over and over again and I kept telling her no yoga's fluffy and esoteric and it's for wealthy white women who don't have anything to do during their days <laughs> it's not me even though I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I actually went to yoga because it was the only form of exercise that I was allowed to do. And I was recently out of treatment and in a body that was twice as large as it had been when it, when I went into treatment. And I was still underweight. Um, so I was in this body that felt... Uh, uh, I felt like an alien in my own body mm. when I was, when I came to the yoga practice. Uh, and so I was in this body that didn't feel good and felt too big. And, uh, I went to yoga because it was the only form of exercise I was allowed to do. And I wanted to fix my body cause I felt like it was getting fat. Um, so I found my way to a yoga class, um, didn't have one of those light up the sky moments in finding the practice. I wasn't like, oh my god, I found my home. Uh, I was like, this is awkward and uncomfortable. And what's a chaturanga? <laughs> <laughs> I hate not being good at something. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I said to you earlier, yoga is a sneaky practice. And so even though what drove me to go to to the studio over and over again was this angst about my body and this need to fix it, yoga slowly started to change how I related to my body from the inside. So I became gentler with myself. I started to notice things that were happening, whether it was you know, uh, my muscles stretching and that feeling inside, or my stomach rumbling, or my breath quickening or shortening. I started to get quieter inside and, and started to kind of meet myself, mm. if you will. Um, so that's wow. how I found my way to the
0: practice. <laughs> wow. And who's one of your first teachers that you're greatly influenced by?
1: Oh, it's no one your, your, uh, listeners would have known probably, um, or, or would have heard of, uh, my first yoga teacher, um, is a woman named Diana Roel and she, to this day is one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, I remember I walked in to that first yoga class and Diana's. Uh, to give you kind of a picture in your mind she's um probably about five seven five eight i'd guess she's voluptuous um she's african-american and she inhabits her space with joy and uh and when i say she inhabits her space she inhabits her body and everything around her with this Mm. joy and grace and love and gentleness and i remember walking in and going I want whatever that woman's on. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my first teacher. Um, I was deeply influenced by another woman in the Dallas area. These are both Texas teachers, uh, you know, that just own their own little studios. Um, Another woman named Stacy Dawkins. Hmm. She trained me to teach yoga, and that's another woman who just... It's not so much what they look like on the outside or who they've studied with, it's how they inhabit their life. They just they just have Stacy's got confidence and mm. wisdom and compassion and Laughter like no one I've ever met before. And I just, you know, it's, 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 those are the, te- the the teachers who have influenced me the most are the people who live the practice. Well, it
0: seems like those traits have poured over into you and they're being reflected out in the world. So
1: Aww.
0: you're doing a great job. Thank you. Um, so I'm curious, can you share with us, what's the timeline from when you started to practice more and more and then you had this idea, eat, breathe, thrive? <laughs>
1: I wish it had come like that. How, how did
0: that manifest? <laughs>
1: sure, man, that would be a good story for the book. It, <laughs> it, just this idea dropped out of the, the ether into my mind. Um, no, it was much more like a stumbling act <laughs> than an idea that showed up. <laughs> um, well, I, I practiced for several years. I was 17 when I came to the practice. Uh, and I was in college. Uh, I, I started college a little bit early. Um, and I was studying Neuroscience. And um, I was not your typical college kid. You know, I'd just gotten out of two years in in a hospital, so I was socially awkward. I was a nerd. Um, I didn't drink. I didn't party. uh, I didn't really like other human beings that much. (laughs) So I was a neuroscience lab rat, basically. Um, and my research in university, you know, started to mesh with my yoga practice. Cause I was going to this yoga mat day after day and I kept going, what is this practice? Why does it work so well? Like, I want to figure it out. I want to like take it apart and figure out like, what's the mechanism that makes yoga feel like a happy drug? Cause mm. it's not like heroin. Like there's something really special about yoga that makes you feel happy, but doesn't have all these deleterious consequences. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, So my research in university was on uh, yoga-based programs for people with breast cancer and yoga-based programs for people with HIV. Um, so we were looking, I, I worked in a psycho neuro lab, which is uh, a really long word that means <laughs> for those of you who can't see Alex eyes just like popped out of his head. <laughs> um, so it means how your mental state affects your brain, which affects your mu- nervous system. Wow. That's fascinating. A, yeah. Really interesting. So I was studying those types of programs in university uh, and long story short, Toward the end of my, uh, my tenure at that university, I had a doctor from my old hospital who um, asked if I would come to a talk for his patients. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> no, not interested. And he's like, no, you're doing really well. I want you to come in and I want them to see that somebody gets over this illness and that there's you know joy and happiness on the other side. And I was like, I don't want to go anywhere near someone with an eating disorder ever again. Hmm. Um, I was so ashamed of that part of, of, of myself that, that had gotten sick and had been, you know, quote unquote weak, that I didn't want to go near anyone that reminded me of this dark part of my life that I felt like I was over and I was past. Um, but my doctor said, you owe me. (laughs) So I, so I, I did it and I went and did this talk and Suffice it to say that my expectations around how I would react to people with eating disorders were completely wrong. Um, I was I was just all lit up when I left. I I loved connecting with them. I felt like I got it. Uh, like like not I got it, but I got them. Like it was like talking to a sister or talking to someone that uh, was created of the same mold. So we were you know I was in there. I gave this talk and I. I just felt like I was with my sisters and my brothers. Um, And I talked to them about how useful I thought yoga was. Hmm. Um, And they were like, well, that's great for you, but we're not allowed to do yoga because we're on exercise restriction in this hospital. And I was like, well, that's silly. So I went back to my doctor and I'm like, why can't they do yoga? They should be able to do yoga. You know, there's there's so many ways that this practice could serve as a valuable complement to traditional forms of treatment. Hmm. And I laid it out and he said, well write me a proposal. And I was like, okay. And I laid out a, a program, a six week program that included yoga, included meditation, included psychoeducation. So all the stuff I'd been learning about in neuroscience, about how the nervous system works and the effects that yoga have on the nerve, the nervous system, uh, included a bunch of exercises. Uh, and that was the birth of this, this, uh, program that is now at the heart of our organization. Uh Um, now the organization didn't start right then. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, I was teaching this six-week program in treatment centers, uh, just as just as my kind of pet volunteer project. Uh, I went into science journalism after college, and I was I actually worked for Deepak Chopra's family for a while, um, covering like science-related stories. And this was just my baby pet project that you know wasn't a quote real job. Um, and then you know I've had some random things happen in my life that don't that seem inexplicable like I had Sanjay Gupta call me up one day literally out of nowhere Sanjay Gupta chief medical Sc- <laughs> correspondent for CNN called me up and say hey Chelsea I heard you were running this program in treatment centers can I come do a story on it <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh okay <laughs> what so yeah so and then so that happened and a whole bunch of people heard about the program and I started getting calls from Wisconsin saying hey will you teach this program in Wisconsin I'm like no I live in LA I'm not going to come out to Wisconsin and they said well will you come out and train us and it became the snowball so I started teaching trainings and then I was like and I went to my boss and I'm like can I have more time off and she's like no you need to quit and start a non like this is clearly your dharma and I was like, "Are you telling me to quit?" <laughs> 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 she's like, "Yes, I am. This is clearly what you're meant to do." Um, it was Deepak's daughter, actually, Malika, and she encouraged me. She's like, "She's like, this is clearly your work. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Raise some p- money, start a nonprofit, and that's wow. a whole story in and of itself, too." So. Wow. That was.
0: That is a. Uh, that's fascinating.
1: <laughs> it was a crazy. This story. six-week
0: course sounds unbelievable. Is it still at the, to this day a six-week course?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, well, yes and no. So uh, we have three types of programs now. So that original program that I was just teaching in treatment centers has become our clinical program. And we have six-week versions and 12-week versions. Um, So that program is for people with clinical eating disorders, people with anorexia, people with bulimia, people with severe mental health issues. And that program is run by mental health practitioners in treatment centers. So not by just your random yoga teacher. Yes psychotherapists, social workers, uh, people in treatment centers as part of an integrated treatment curriculum. So this program isn't just some like yoga class they go to on the side. This is part of a treatment protocol. Uh, And we have that running at a a few treatment centers in the US. our, the bigger branch of our programs now is, our actual, uh, is actually our community programs. So these are, this is still the six-week curriculum. Um, these are programs that are run in yoga studios and community centers and YMCAs all throughout the world now, in Scotland and in England and in Italy and in the US. And these are programs, uh, the same curriculum, six-week program for people struggling uh, with just run-of-the-mill food and body image issues. Uh, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. My boyfriend broke up with me, and now I want to eat ice cream. Um, uh, I'm going through a divorce. I just had a baby, and I don't know how to find home in my own body. These are six-week programs that are kind of like an AA for people with food and body image issues, plus yoga.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Lots of questions arise. (laughs) So let's see here. In today's mind state of Chelsea Roth, do you still have a relationship with this other, uh, part of yourself that you were saying earlier that you felt shame Mm -hmm. at one point, like how has yoga or how has the mental awareness that you've cultivated over years, um, been allowed you to shift any arising residue of this shadow? Does that make sense? You know, how, how do you move forward off that? with so much practice and integration.
1: Great question, great question. Um, There's a big debate in the mental health community about whether it's possible to fully recover from eating disorders. For many years, eating disorders have been thought of as very similar to substance abuse disorders. So once you're an alcoholic, you're always gonna struggle with with this. Once you have anorexia, you're always going to struggle with this. Uh, my experience has not been that. Um, I had an eating disorder for seven years. I was in recovery for an eat- from an eating disorder for about two and a half years, maybe three. Um, and I've been recovered from an eating disorder for about seven years. Uh, and the experience of being having an eating disorder, being in recovery and being recovered are distinctly different. Internally, subjectively, I can't tell you how different my inner world is. How that happened, I don't know. I've mm. made my career off uh, out of trying to figure out the different variables that contribute to being in recovery versus being recovered. Uh, but I can say that there is a big brick wall that's completely unscalable where my, my eating disorder used to be. Um it's weird to be honest with you. It's really strange. I used to not be able to look at a plate of food without going 37 plus 42 plus 56 and counting up calories and counting up carbs and counting up fat grams. I, I could, while I was in recovery, that would happen. And I could choose not to behave based on that information, but I couldn't turn off that, that mind state. Does that make sense? Mm Uh, I don't even know how many calories are in different things these Hmm. days. And um, my relationship with my body has changed dramatically. Um, uh, that said, and I could go into, you know, for the, for the people who have had eating disorders, that would probably be a very interesting conversation. Uh, for people who haven't, it's a, it's probably far too detailed. I could go into the different, um, uh, shades of that experience, if mm. you will. But, um, I think it's important to note that even though you, you can, rec- my, my belief is that you can recover from an eating disorder. That doesn't mean you're recovered from life. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I don't get depressed sometimes or uh, go through periods of acting out in behaviors that are completely not serving me and have to look at that, or that I don't have days where I wake up and go, oh my gosh, why doesn't my, you know, my, my genes, why don't my genes fit the way they used to or whatever? I'm not recovered from life. I'm not this like, you know, enlightened human being, uh, but I'm free from the shackles of a disease that, that, oh God, nearly killed me. And it's just one of the most unpleasant forms of suffering I've experienced in this life. Um, so that doesn't mean that I'm free from suffering. It just means that I've let those shackles go. There's yeah. probably still some other chains to let go of, but um, it's, it's remarkably different. Wow. Does that answer your question? Yes, it
0: does. I think so. I mean, I think it, it provides the uh, shimmer of hope mm. that we can heal. Mm -hmm. in whatever mental affliction or physical affliction is present today.
1: Yeah. And again, not to say that there won't be bumps in the road and challenges. Um, You know, I've, I've never been through a divorce. Uh, my, um, most of my immediate family members are still around. if one of those life experiences happened, could I, could something, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't pretend to say I'm certain that I've recovered and it will always feel this way. Um, but I can, I can say that this, the experience of, of being alive in this physical form now is very different than how it was in the early stages of an eating disorder. Mm. And yoga was a massive part of that.
0: Mm. So if you had any advice, I can't help but think, you know, when I took my first one of my first trainings, the words that really stuck with me to this day is you never know the other person's story. Mm. So if you had any advice for uh, teachers that are listening today who do or don't or have had an eating disorder and, you know, they have their students in class.
1: Mm.
0: What is some advice from you to these teachers that could hold space for people in their class whether the people in class do or don't have an eating disorder, you know, like I feel like that it's such a sensitive, uh, topic mm. to have someone in class, whether teacher knows it or not. Mm. And, and how, cause I don't know. Does, is it something that touch triggers? Is it something that spoken word triggers, loving self triggers kind of get where I'm going? I do get
1: where you're going. It's such a big question. Um, <laughs> I'll just share things as they, as they come. Um, The first thought that comes to mind, um, is for yoga teachers to, uh, recognize their role and recognize what their role is not. Um, so oftentimes yoga teachers and really any helping professionals, um, care a whole lot and want to give as much as as humanly possible. And I think it's important for yoga teachers to recognize that they're not mental health practitioners. Uh, I run an organization, I teach yoga, I teach meditation, but I'm not a psychologist. And it's important for me to stay in my role because when I start to step out of that role, we get into territory uh, that could really be harmful to to students. Um, So I think my first piece of insight, maybe not advice, is just that your role as a yoga teacher is not to provide therapy it's not to diagnose it's not to uh, um, take on you know the uh, the burden of getting this person help uh, your role as a yoga teacher is to offer the practice hmm. um, so that would be my first awesome. insight um, you asked about touch, you asked about words. Those, those are deep rabbit holes. Yeah, they I could go down with you, I don't know, about in an hour. <laughs> um, you know, it, in terms of language, uh, one thing I would encourage uh, yoga teachers to be aware of is just that every. Um, Uh, every body is different. <laughs> and so just because your body can contort into certain positions it doesn't mean that everyone in class will be able to. And many of the the uh, um, varieties uh, of bodily experience are unseen. So we're talking scar tissue, we're talking different shapes of bones. So sometimes yoga teachers get into a pattern of saying, if you want to advance this pose, uh, level two of this pose, um, to make it harder, do this. Um, I generally caution people around that language. Um, I mean, that's, but you know, people are going to interpret things as as they will. So even if you don't say to advance this pose, your students may interpret it that way anyway. Hmm. Um, In terms of touch, that's a deep rabbit hole. There's a lot of of research behind the the healing and therapeutic value of touch, uh, but there's also uh, a lot of research behind how touch um, can, um, for lack of a better word, I hate the word trigger, but for lack of a better word, trigger people who have had traumatic experiences. And so back to that, Everybody is different every every human psyche is different so you don't mm. know who's in your class who in your class has uh recently experienced sexual assault or experienced that when they were a kid and you coming over in child's pose or uh, uh happy baby pose and pressing their feet down might be really upsetting um so i, I just encourage teachers to be uh, to keep their mind on there's a lot i don't know happening mm. um
0: Beautiful. Thank yeah. you.
1: But that's a whole. No, they're <laughs> big are rabbit big holes, rabbit holes, but I think it's just
0: a nice little offering. I hope that's I think, I think that first one especially is huge.
1: Yeah, you're not Thank a therapist. You.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally.
1: Or even if you are a therapist, when you're being a yoga teacher, your be role teacher. is not to be a therapist. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm curious if you could have any advice from present-day Chelsea hmm. to Chelsea, what? Ten years ago, when oh. you were midst in the in the shadow of your eating disorder, what would you have offered yourself?
1: Wow, you've just knocked me flat on my back <laughs> with that question. <laughs> oh, great question, great question. I mean, instinctively, what I would have wanted to offer her is hope because she didn't have hope. This hmm. was, you know, uh, there were many, many years of my life I didn't think that I was going to make it to 25 for sure. Um, and I didn't want to. So there's a, I mean, instinctively, just knowing the inside of, of that experience, I would have wanted her to know that there is going to be a way out of the darkness. Um, that said, I don't know if she could have heard it. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I I mean I it sounds so cliche and it sounds so simple, but I just would have wanted her to know that it's going to get better, and there is a a, a light that's going to guide you out of this darkness. And I can't tell you when it's going to come or what form, but I will I will tell you this is not going to last forever. Um, the other thing mm. that comes to mind is just be gentle, just be easy with yourself. You don't have to have it all figured out. Mm. <laughs> Um stop judging yourself so much stop stop criticizing. Stop saying you should be here by now and I'll you know, but again, I don't know if I would have listened. <laughs> I'm stubborn. <laughs> um, but I, I think from my heart, the big thing I would have wanted little me to know is you're gonna get out of this. and things won't be perfect, but they're gonna be so much better than how they are now. Um,
0: yeah. Mm. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. I hope, you know, if, if they're, yeah, if you have people listening who are struggling with uh, food and body image issues, um, I, I hope I hope they know that. It's not easy. They're, it's such a dark darkness, but um, there is a way out. It's a really long road. But there's a whole bunch of us light carriers who have made our way out that go back in there with a candle looking <laughs> for other lost souls. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow
0: when oh. uh about i guess uh not this uh, yeah maybe last year hanuman festival you were at hanuman mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. i was and uh, you were on this beautiful panel with amy Im- amy amy mary claire sweet mary taylor who's yeah. also my teacher i love her so much
1: sisters um, on the path
0: yeah that was a, a powerful panel mm-hmm. to share that space with four women who have you know holding that torch
1: yep and, and all have all have struggled with with, if not full blown eating disorders, uh, disordered eating and body image issues. And all three, all three, Mary Taylor, Mary Claire Sweet and, and Amy Apoliti were all open about it and transparent and said, yes, this is something I have struggled with. And this is this is an issue. And it's an issue that brings many of us to the yoga practice. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful panel. It was was really an honor to be standing with those women and have such transparency, because I think so often it's stuff we don't want to talk about. We don't want anybody to know. Oh, yeah, I have this dark part. You know, don't want anybody to see it because it's super vulnerable and tender. Mm.
0: How how does Eat, Breathe, Thrive continue to get out into the world? Like what are your major platforms and how do people find you and how, how how do you have students, people, reach out to you like you know that that that's the hardest part would it not be like someone who's like i do have a problem Mm. i do have an issue i don't i don't mean to say if it's a problem or not i i i I feel that you know i haven't had eating disorders so it's a sensitive topic for me because i don't want to impose and it's not something i've experienced so you know uh what's that like
1: sure um funny uh one of the great Things that's organically happened with Eat, Breathe Thrive is that it's uh, <laughs> it's like a little tr- like a little seed I planted that hmm. became a sprout and then became a tree and now has branches everywhere and all these little other branches (laughs) branching off, uh, which is a metaphor, (laughs) but it is really cool. And it's part of our logo, which we never intended. Um, But uh, this tree with with branches coming off. Um, But that's a metaphor to say that uh, it's not just me doing it anymore. Um, We've got close to a hundred facilitators now throughout the world who are running programs in their own communities. So, uh eat breathe thrive doesn't have a central treatment center where you can come and heal that's not how you're gonna you're gonna find these programs um i run trainings and i'm a i'm a globe trotter i go about once a month to different cities around the world and i train facilitators um and by facilitators uh the people who show up to our trainings are generally yoga teachers and mental health practitioners Sometimes educators, sometimes nurses, sometimes medical professionals, but, I, but, but professionals of some kind, uh, helping professionals of some kind. So they come to a training, get done with our training, and then they run programs in their own community. And then I'm, at, I'm hands, not completely hands-off. We definitely have like connection, and um, we do mentorship with them and all of that. But um, the great thing about Eat, Breathe, Thrive is if you're listening to this podcast from Wisconsin – there is a program in wisconsin for you to go to Mm. um if you're listening to this podcast from edinburgh scotland there is a program in edinburgh run by three incredible facilitators who bring a whole lot of different stuff to the table than i do Mm. um so that's that's how people find us is not they don't find me they find one of our programs Uh, And then if they want to take a a training, chances are we're going to be in your area at some point in the next year. So if you're a yoga teacher or a mental health practitioner and this is your heart and this is something that you want to offer, a a yoga-based program for people with food and body image issues, we are happy to give you a curriculum and and send you off to the races and, and support you all the way.
0: Wow. And you're all over America?
1: Pretty much. I mean, not everywhere, but we've got programs in Colorado and Florida uh, I mean, one training a month for three years will get you to a lot of places. <laughs>
0: one training a month for three years. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: It's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Um, Got program trainings coming up in Florida this year, New England, um, Texas. I'm going home to my home. Oh, get this. I'm going back to the hospital where I was treated. Doing a a conference for nurses there, a bunch of nurses who don't even never treated me and then I'm running a program at my home studio. So a training at my own home studio. So
0: it can be full circle. Yeah,
1: it's really neat. I'm so excited. (laughs) That'll
0: be an emotional one.
1: Uh, No kidding. (laughs) No kidding.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah,
1: you nailed it, Alec. (laughs) What are your
0: what's your relationship with kind of tapping more into the realm of yoga and Mm. how yoga shows up in your life with you know, the, the awareness of Eat, Breathe, Thrive and all the service that it provides. Uh, What's your relationship to emotions in the yoga practice?
1: Hmm. Good question. Um, So I don't know how to answer. I'm going to go with my first instinct. I I keep trying to talk around it. Um, So actually as, as part of the curriculum, we have four pillars of the program. Um, and one of the pillars is actually self-regulation mm. uh, or, or emotional regulation is another. I was just talking to a pair of facilitators about this. Um, so one of the the most valuable aspects of the yoga practice, in my view, so valuable that I literally made it a pillar of this program, is the fact that yoga provides uh, somatic tools, so body-based tools for regulating uh, one's emotional experience so for instance i'll give you a really clear example um i don't like to fly <laughs> i run one training a month and i really dislike flying <laughs> i don't i don't like sitting in the back not knowing how to fly the plane and it being completely in someone else's hands <laughs> in a big metal tube thirty thousand feet up it just scares the bejesus out of me <laughs> yes. and uh, even though I can mentally go, Chelsea, you're safe. These pilots know what they're doing. The plane wants to be in the air. That's my mantra. The plane wants to be in the air. The plane <laughs> wants to be in the air. <laughs> um, even though I can do that mental game with myself, my body doesn't respond. My body's like, we're about to die. <laughs> like my heart starts beating fast. My 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 face flushes. My muscles get really tense, wow. and uh, essentially, what's happening is my sympathetic nervous system, my fight or flight system, is in high gear. It thinks, "Oh my gosh, we're about to die. We got to prepare Chelsea's body to, f- you know, run really fast. Where am I going to go on a plane? <laughs> or, or, or like, you know, fight the danger. And w- what am I going to fight? Fight, you know, the air. So that happens to my body, and th- that's an emotional experience. It's anxiety. It's fear. All of these emotions are coming up, and they're not useful to me in that. moment moment Mm. my yoga practice has taught me a plethora of uh, plethora of of tools that I can use to calm my body back down so even though I can't self-talk my way out of that I can do a jayi breath I can mm. do nadi shodhana. Mm. Um, I can consciously relax my toes and then my mm. ankles and then my calves. Uh, I can turn on a yoga nidra practice and have a guide if I'm really struggling with it. Um, so yoga has provided me with these tools that I can use to speak the language my body speaks, which is not mental. <laughs> it's not rational. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That's an example for anxiety. There's also examples for, for depression. So... Um, Yeah, I I think that that's one of the most valuable aspects of the yoga practice for people struggling with mental health challenges of any Mm. kind is that it's somatic tools that talk the language your body talks. (laughs)
0: Mm, (laughs) Wow, it does, it does. So I imagine that the yoga classes that you teach would be vastly different than a normal, I don't know, Ashtanga class, Vinyasa class, uh, even a Nyangar class perhaps, even though pretty slow. Um, what what does a eat breathe thrive Chelsea Roth guided yoga class look like?
1: Good question. Um, I don't. I've never taken my own yoga class, <laughs> so I, don't, I can only tell you what other people have told me. Um, for, as far as an eat breathe thrive class, we encourage yoga teachers to come with their heart and their personality and their style. We don't say you've got to teach in the, you know Chelsea style because my style's a mutt of a practice, <laughs> like a yoga mutt is what I call myself. Um, so, for eat, breathe, thrive, that that varies, uh, but but mindful movement for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we encourage teachers to always connect breath, movement, and awareness. Those are the three non-negotiables: breath, movement, and awareness. Um, so that's what that's what I teach as well is try to connect breath, movement, and awareness. I've been told that my asana classes, my move, my actual physical movement classes, um, are a really big balance of yin and yang so we do some practices in the beginning of the class generally depending on you know who i'm teaching to uh that are designed to to give you an opportunity to use some tools to regulate your emotions we might do some more challenging poses um just to get your heart beating a little faster and your face a little flushed. that way we can pull in nadi shodhana and we can pull in ujjayi and we can pull in some of these practices um to calm the nervous system down um i love that that a yoga class is almost like training ground for regulating your emotions. So sometimes, so usually, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning of the class, um, sometimes we, we do that. Uh, end of the class, I, I, I love yin. <laughs> just, um, you know, I, I tend to do a lot of restorative and yin poses and a lot of opportunities to turn inward. Um, That said, sometimes I teach fully restorative classes. Sometimes I teach completely yin classes. Sometimes we teach total chair classes. Um, I tend to just teach to who's in the room.
0: Beautiful.
1: Um, But yeah, I've also been told that I hold poses for a really long time. I I don't mean to. (laughs) But (laughs) but someone told me that. Many people tell me that, every class. They're like, you hold poses a long time. And I've been told that I I teach really slowly. that's how I practice. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you ever
0: fall asleep in yin postures?
1: Absolutely. Those are the really good but it's like a weird, lucid sleep. Yeah. Have you ever fallen asleep in Nidra, but you're not really asleep?
0: Yes, and I've fallen asleep. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both, for sure. Uh,
1: I tend to go into like hypnotic states. Yeah. Like I'm half there and half uh-huh. not. Yeah. And wow. I can't get to sleep at night because of yeah. it.
0: <laughs> Wow, that's so, I'm just so, I think it's such a blessing to be able to sit across from you and to receive and hear all about the good that Eat, Breathe, Thrive is bringing out into the world. So at the yoga workshop where I practice, you know, right at the door, I'm not sure if you've ever walked into the yoga workshop before, right at the door, uh, if you're walking out, it says dot, 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 for the benefit of others, dot, Mm. dot, dot. And uh, it's just like that, God, Eat, Breathe, Thrive just embodies and you Uh. embody for the benefit of others. And that to me is, you know, we, we look into our yoga practice and we seek out all the good that yoga has brought into our life and how we can just give it away. Mm. To all those in the world and in our life who are suffering, you know, in such a regard, it's just like that's that is what your your dharma is. And it's so beautiful to sit across from someone who has had this this upwelling of inspiration, initially from the opposite of inspiration Mm -hmm. and complete distraught Mm self-destruction and transmute. All of this to make a huge difference. It's really inspiring, Chelsea.
1: Oh, I'm I'm honored. Um, and it's it's so funny that you end on on a note of service because uh, <laughs> you don't you don't even know this. All of our six week programs end with a service project, so the group goes out and does a service project <laughs> wow. in their own community <laughs> that they plan. Um, it's one of our our, our core values because you know we think of yoga as a physical practice, mm. but yoga has has one of the beautiful parts of this tradition is there are so many branches of yoga and one of them is seva Mm. selfless service this Mm. is a core part of the yoga practice Mm. and that's your that's a part of yoga is going out and serving and giving it up for the benefit of others um and i i find that when you do oftentimes what comes back is uh way more than you gave out um not that that should be the motivator. <laughs> Not totally. that like the the fruits of service should be the motivator. The act of service should be the motivator. Uh, but. Man, the fruits are just joyous and beautiful. Mm. Um, and I want to recognize what you're doing, Alec. Um, you know, this this podcast is is spreading the the threads and the the wisdom embedded in in this ancient and yet modern tradition all throughout the world. So so thank mm. you for doing it, and, and thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah,
0: thank you. Before we close, two final things. Would you share the story of uh, when you were a waitress in these? three or four amazing blessings (laughs) were bestowed upon you. What?
1: Oh, sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, wow. Okay. Um, so some of you listening, uh, may, may remember a few years ago, there was this video that sort of took the inner, inner webs by storm. Um, got, I think it's had 30 million views at this point. I still get recognized randomly. Um, so, for those of you who haven't, if if you want to see the video, all you have to do is Google "waitress gets pranked." Um, so, oh. <laughs> the story. Um, so, I had I was living in LA at the time. I'd been running Eat, Breathe, Thrive for a couple years. We were in those first couple years of running a nonprofit, which are, I mean, speaking of of difficult, like just man, it was it was like sixty hour work weeks for sure, uh, and. I had a friend who owned a restaurant in downtown Los Angeles, and he um, called me up and asked if I would come and help out in his, his restaurant, waitressing. And I was like, absolutely not 100% no <laughs> <laughs> boundaries <laughs> self-care 60-hour work weeks don't have not time having. for that <laughs> waitressing days are over <laughs> and he's, he he was somebody who never asked me for favors and he really pushed it and was like i need you to do this for me i can't tell you all the details i can't tell you why i need you just to trust me uh, and I was like oh good, fine all right only three days a week you know and so I started working at his restaurant it was a barbecue restaurant and I'm from Texas so it was easy and I actually quite enjoy waitressing. so uh, I was doing it for about a month and a half and I was going in every week for several days a week and just you know uh, what I thought you know helping helping a friend out sort of thing uh, and one day I show up and we'll just keep this really short I show up lunch rush hits. I go to pick up uh, somebody's bill at a table. The guy had just left, and there was $1,000 cash sitting on his bill. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy moly, like he was flirtatious, but man, (laughs) (laughs) so I was like, well, that's crazy. You know, try to put it in the tip jar because I don't know. I don't know what to do with that much cash. You know, we're in downtown L.A. Um, Go to the next table, immediately the next table. And there's uh, a couple sitting there and I go to pick up their bill and they're like, you know, you know, miss, we're so sorry uh, we forgot our wallet at home. And I was like don't worry it's been a really good tip day like I can cover you it's not a big deal and they're like no no we feel so bad we used to be a waitress we know how hard it is uh, we just happen to be travel agents and we just so happen to have these vouchers it's a, it's a voucher for a trip for two to Hawaii do you want it and I was like you've got what you're pulling my leg come on <laughs> like if you actually watch the video because it, it is on video I look at both of them really suspiciously like who are you and what are you trying to pull over on me um, so they leave, they, they leave pretty quickly, uh, go to the next table and it's this woman who's reading a yoga book. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, you do yoga, you know, just making chatty conversation. And she's like, yeah, do you do yoga? And I'm like, yeah, I run a yoga nonprofit. We do work with people with eating disorders. And she says, funny, I run an eating disorder treatment center and we're looking for a yoga program. And at this point internally, you can't tell this from the, the video, Alec, I'm like, You've got to be kidding me.
0: Like, <laughs> what is- no,
1: no treatment director at an eating disorder treatment center would ever meet some random waitress at a barbecue restaurant and say, come work with my clinically ill patients. <laughs> like, I just knew something was very weird. Like, that was that was too much. Uh, and I kind of awkwardly take her business card thinking, like, is somebody messing with me? Like, this is weird. And then I go to the last table. This is again right, right one after another. <laughs> and there's this woman there who's been sitting there for like an hour and a half. And she hands me the bill, and there's a car key on it. And I was like, uh, "You forgot your car key?" And she was like, "Oh no, that's your car key." And I was like, "My car key's in my pocket." <laughs> she said, "Come outside with me." So I walk outside with her, and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm if you, my friends who know me are like, you looked really anxious. And I was like, yeah, I was really anxious. I didn't know if somebody was pulling a mean joke on me. And I walked outside and this car drives up with a massive bow on it. And out of the front seat walks Diana, my first yoga teacher who lives in Texas and I haven't seen in years. Uh, And I, you know. I cried and I hugged her and I was so excited to see. I hadn't, this is the woman who introduced me to my yoga practice mm. and was very much a maternal figure to me. My mom's got, my mom's very sick now and she's been mm. just a mama bear to me for a long time. And I was so excited to see her and I knew she wouldn't play anything mean on me. <laughs> um, so speaking of those weird things like Sanjay Kupta calling me out of the blue, this video went crazy viral. It got 30 million views. <laughs> I they put me on Good Morning America, the Today Show, uh, NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams, all these crazy things. And my friends are all like, I didn't know you were a waitress. <laughs> I like, I, well, <laughs> I kind of I am, but I'm not. It was just random. And my friend did, had set the whole thing up, basically. Wow. He, he, you know, basically a company was wanting to prank a waitress uh, and had come to him and said, hey, you own this restaurant do you know any really deserving waitresses who could use a new car and he's like oh yeah i know somebody <laughs> so mm. really sweet and just blessings blessings i feel i feel like my life has been one of those weird, like, Truman Show movies. (laughs) Like, what? Twice? Like, Sanjay Gupta was pretty weird, but the 30 million views in Good Morning America, like, 10 Minutes of Fame, was super weird.
0: (laughs) So that's that's that Thanks for the story. Sure. Thank you.
1: Yeah, shh, don't tell anyone. We will tell anyone else. (laughs) Yeah, clearly not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So last little nugget. We like to end with one golden nugget of wisdom that you would offer to our listeners as they carry forward on the path
1: golden nugget of wisdom um do you have more of a prompt like what just anything yeah
0: I think anything life you you know
1: okay one thing I've been I've been learning and playing with myself right now playing with is play Hmm. is the importance of play and doing things not to get to an end goal and not to get, like my, I've been salsa dancing a lot recently the past year and I think play is so important and so uh, necessary and we hear play and we think, oh it's that thing you do when you have spare time make time in your life for play and it will invigorate every other part of your life from work to relationships to mothering mm. so yeah that, that's my that's my nugget that's of wisdom great. to myself and i hope it's beneficial to the rest of you
0: beautiful yeah well chelsea thank you so much for sharing with us eat breathe thrive and yourself
1: mm. thank you it's such a pleasure yeah namaste namaste
0: My friends, thank you so much for listening through this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. May this interview install trust, hope, and faith into any of us who've been impacted by an eating disorder or know someone who has. Chelsea Roth has a beautiful message and programs to share with you. She leads these trainings monthly across America and places in the world. You can find out where she is by going to EatBreatheThrive.com and click on Trainings in order to find upcoming programs. We are thrilled to say we have almost reached 100,000 downloads because of you! We are able to share inspirational stories about real yogis, one-on-one, face-to-face, and we couldn't do it without you. We have special things in store for you and we share them through our newsletter and on Instagram. Sign up by visiting Yogarevealed.com or follow us at Yogarevealed on Instagram. May your day be blessed and filled with the perfect practice material. Keep noticing the signs. Until next time, Namaste.